Hi everyone, welcome to the Her Spiritual War podcast. I am your host, Joanna, and for today's episode, we're going to be talking about the topic of my narcissistic landlord horror story. It's been a while, um, actually, since I've lived with this landlord. Um, He was a narcissist and he was also a pastor. Um, So this horror story is going to be very interesting. So um, please do have some popcorn and some soda ready because this is a really long tale. So to give you guys um, just a walkthrough of the timeline, um, before I lived with this narcissistic landlord, I was homeless. Um, and that was because, you know, I had just found out my mother was a narcissist and I needed another place to live. Um, so essentially when I was homeless, I was in Manhattan at the time. I only had $6,000 in my checking account. And by the grace of God, I actually was able to find a part-time job at the last company I worked for when I was at university. And even in the midst of COVID, they were willing to give me a part-time job. It was definitely, you know, not the greatest job because, you know, they were paying me less than what they paid me before when I was their intern prior, but I really needed the money and I didn't want to go back to that narcissistic household. So I took the job. And obviously, since the job was um, in Boston, uh, back where I went to school, I obviously felt like I could have done the job remotely in New York, which is what I wish I would have done. But at the same time, um, because they were paying me so low, I didn't want to be double taxed. So um, what I mean by that is because I was in New York at the time, if I was working for a Boston company, but living in New York, then I would have been, you know, taxed, you know, as a New York resident. And I also have been taxed because I was working in Boston. So it was just like, I just didn't want to deal with that. So I thought, okay, let me just move back to Boston. But of course I needed to find housing since, you know, I was completely homeless for three months. I needed to find another place to live. And During this time, I was still a Christian. I was still a religious in my mindset. Um, And if I'm being honest with you guys, it wasn't until after I lived with this narcissistic pastor that I put religion behind and I ripped up my Bible. Like, I'm so serious, but um, I'll get to that towards the end. So essentially, um, when I wanted to find a place to live in Boston, I would just go to this website. It's called Unite Boston. And basically, I would just make a post um, basically saying that I was looking for Christian roommates. Um, I just wanted to be with other Christian roommates who loved God and each other. And basically, I put my phone number in the post. And now looking back, I wish I hadn't have done that because it just gave someone, anyone on the internet, direct access to me. And I feel like any narcissist would have just taken up the opportunity like, oh, I can just call her and text her. Um, But I was so desperate to find housing. So I was just like, let me just put my phone number in there. Um, That phone number is changed, so it doesn't matter anymore. But anyways, um, 
essentially because of that post, this narcissistic landlord um, was able to find me and uh, he was able to text me. And during this time, I was like praying and praying and praying that I would find housing. Um, And so when I got the text from the narcissistic landlord, I thought, oh, this must be a sign from God. Oh, God, (laughs) it wasn't the sign that I hoped, but um, I just thought since I was praying to find housing and, you know, since the pastor texted me, I thought it was going to be a sign from God. And, you know, I was just I was really desperate. And um, yeah, so basically he was telling me like, oh, he had a room in his basement, la 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 la. And then he also told me that there was another girl who was living in the basement. So I would have, I would have like a roommate as well. But the one thing that I really kind of just ignored was the fact that he told me that the basement apartment wasn't a private unit. And that him and his wife could come down to the basement anytime they wanted. And now looking back, I just felt like, to me, that's just so violating of your tenant's privacy. Like if you're renting out a basement for a tenant, the landlord should not be able to just come down to your, to the basement and just come whenever they want. It's just, that's just so invasive. Um, but I learned my lesson and, you know, even though that was a really big red flag for me, I just ignored it because I was so desperate. And at the time I, um, when I was trying to figure out whether I was going to live there or not, I asked if I could speak to their last tenant. And so they gave me their last tenant's phone number and here I am, you know, talking to her on the phone And um, she's telling me about the room. And the one thing that stood out to me was when we started to have this phone call, she told me, well, you know what? Here are some things I wish I would have known before I decided to live here. And mind you, she's from like Canada and like I'm, I'm technically like used to Boston. So I'm technically like a resident there. So, um, There were some things that she told me that she wished she would have known and she would have thought twice before moving. Um, One thing was that um, the pastor's wife, she had a freezer in the basement that she would go down to. So here's the thing. She told me that the pastor's wife would frequently go down to the basement to get something from the freezer. And in my mind, I didn't really see that as like a, a big deal because I thought, oh, she's just getting something from the freezer. Um... And then she also told me that um, they have grandchildren and their toys are also in the basement. And so I thought to myself, oh, okay, they just use that for storage, right? So they have to put the toys somewhere. And so when she was telling me this, it was kind of like she had a mixed review about them. Like she was telling me a lot of weird stuff about them. And then she was also telling me like they were nice people. So it was kind of like confusing. Um, But at the end of the day, I remember like, I was, I remember telling her like, okay, I'm all set. I'm going to do this. And she was like, are you sure? And I remember thinking to myself, like, I have to be sure I have nowhere else to live. Um, and, uh, yeah. And just like that, I moved in. Um, one thing that really stood out to me though, um, this pastor, I've been, you know, speaking with him and texting with him 
um, when I was trying to move from New York to Boston. Uh, but it wasn't until I met his wife in person that I started to get really creepy vibes. Like, I remember there was one day when I, when I actually like arrived, she was standing at the door waiting for me. And I remember she like smiled at me and she's like, we're so excited to have you. And it was almost like the way she was staring at me, it just felt very predatory. And I felt very creeped out. Like something about her aura was just very creepy and predatory. So um, anyways, I just entered the house. But now looking back, I wish I would have just turned the other way. And the pastor showed me around the house um, and everything. And then he showed me to the basement. Um, and then, um, yeah, basically I had my own private entrance. Um, he introduced me to, um, my roommate at the time. And then, um, one thing that was also really crappy about them was the fact that it wasn't until I actually got into the home that the pastor and his wife told me, oh, and just so you know, sometimes our our grandchildren, they play down here. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh my goodness, like the the last tenant did not tell me that. She told me that their toys were here. She didn't tell me that they actually played down here. I think there's a difference between using a basement as storage and then actually using the basement as like a huge playroom. Like, oh my goodness. Um, but basically when they told me that, they asked me if I was okay with it. And I remember feeling like this pressure from them, like, like they were trying to push my boundaries or they were testing my boundaries. And I don't know if this is just me, but whenever someone's like pushing my boundaries or testing my boundaries, it's almost like you can feel it inside your soul. Like it's like, like you can actually feel like the push, like their energy is being pushed on you. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but basically I remember I fawned at the time and I said, oh, I'm sure it'll be okay since, you know, my roommate's here and she's already used to it. And now I wish looking back, I would have just said no. And like, I'm, I wish I would have kept looking. Um, but you know, I had $6,000 in my bank account and, you know, I really wanted to start this new job and I couldn't start without, you know, housing. Um, but anyways, um, Another red flag that um, was also kind of alarming to me was that when I finally got to my room and when I was unpacking, you know, they told me that they would like for me to stay for a year, but they didn't give me like a lease or anything. They didn't give me like anything in writing. And usually when you're staying at a rental property for like a year, there needs to be something in writing um, telling the tenant what's expected of them it also says that you've paid a security deposit I didn't have to pay a deposit because he basically waived it for me um but I can't imagine paying a deposit now with no lease that's ridiculous I would never do that but um basically um he he basically told me like he would like for me to stay for a year and it just seemed kind of weird because why not just give me something in writing and so me being so naive, I had no idea that just because he's saying that verbally, that doesn't mean I have to stay for a year. And so this whole time while I was living him, I thought, okay, I have to stay. But then I realized, well, if there's nothing in writing, 
how can he come after me? And I wish I would have just known what I know now, but it's okay. Um, but anyways, moving forward, while I was living there, there were a ton of issues, like a ton of them. I think for me, living in their basement, um, the pastor's wife, he, she would like come into the our bathroom, my roommates and I's bathroom multiple times. And she would go in the bathroom, not to really use it, but she would do it to like put the bathroom rug up on the shower. And I just thought that was just so annoying because it's like, why do you need to come all the way down to the basement, to our space to do that? Like, it's just unnecessary. And it, it got to the point where I would like literally text her and say, oh, like, please don't worry about coming downstairs to the basement. I'll do it myself. And then she texted me back saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, um, I'm so sorry for invading your space, whatever, or something like that. And then the other issue I had with living with them was, you know, as the last tenant mentioned, the freezer. So in my mind, when she told me that there was a freezer in the basement, I just thought, oh, okay, she goes into that freezer, like, maybe like once a week and take something out. Like, I, I don't think that's a big deal. But it wasn't until I was actually living in the basement that I realized that um, his wife would go into that freezer multiple times a day. I want to say she went into that freezer maybe like seven, eight, seven or eight times a day. It was absolutely ridiculous. And there came a point where I was just like so annoyed because, you know, even though I have my own room in the basement, every time she would slam the freezer door, I would hear it and it would just be, it would just disrupt me. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you've ever like slammed a freezer door before, but it's, it kind of feels like a, like an earthquake, like the sound just travels or something like that. And it's just like very loud and disrupting to my peace. And, um, yeah, there came a point where like, <laughs> I actually like, I reached out to them about it and I'll just talk about that later. But essentially I reached out to them about the freezer and about the possibility of like moving it or having like a time window where they wouldn't come down to the basement to make noise. And basically, um, I'll mention this email later, but basically they sent me an email. I don't know why they couldn't just say this to my face, but they basically sent me an email saying like, like they didn't want to be restricted and that, oh, we'll try and keep the noise down at night. And I was just like, wait, you don't want to be restricted? What does what does that mean? You don't want, you don't want boundaries? Because that's what you're saying to me, basically. <laughs> and they just, they just didn't want any boundaries. Um, and I remember there was actually this one time, it wasn't until after I complained about it, that it was around like 11 p.m. at night, someone came down to the basement to open the freezer and they slammed it so loud. It was and it was, this was a different slam. It was, like, very aggressive. Like, they wanted me to know, like, yeah, th I'm slamming this because of you. And I just remember, like, what the hell is going on? Like, I'm tired of this freezer. 
Oh my goodness. And I just know that whoever slammed it did it on purpose because, you know, the pastor and the pastor's wife, they live upstairs, but they also have like four children and, you know, they're, some of them are grown, but they also come down to the basement too, to use the freezer. So it was just like a hot mess. But you know, what's so funny about, about living with them, they could come down to the basement anytime they wanted. But if I were to come upstairs to their space, and do what they were doing they would not like it and that's the hypocritical thing about it because if I was to do the same thing to them come upstairs make a lot of noise um, violate their space multiple times a day they would not like it but of course they think well it's our house so we're just going to do whatever we want and um, moving forward other things that really pissed me off living there um the pastor, he would like do like a lot of whistling all around the home. And I know people are like, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean by whistling? But like, I mean, like he would literally like, I, cause my room was in the basement, but it was also like facing the backyard. So every time the pastor was in the backyard, he would like whistle and something about the way that it sounds it's just it's so irritating it's it's like I don't know how to it's just like it just bothers me and it kind of reminded me of living with my narcissistic mother whenever she would like sing like her voice would just irritate me and honestly I've even have like a roommate where like he would like come into the kitchen and like um he would whisper to himself and it got to the point where I was kind of just like this is really annoying because I can hear it and it's irritating and it's just I don't know what it is with toxic people and their like weird behaviors but it's just so irritating but anyways the uh, other things that kind of pissed me off living there they had a way um the pastor he had a way of like maltreating the dog that they had so they had like a um I guess he was kind of like a Scottish terrier and sometimes there would be times where I would like actually in the basement there's actually a laundry room I would walk into the laundry room and I would see that they like closed the door and when I would open the door the dog would just be in there and sometimes I would think like why are you putting the dog in the laundry room and closing the door I don't like it just felt like not that they I guess it kind of just felt like they just locked the dog in there for some reason like isolated him And obviously, like, I didn't want to, like, accidentally let him out. So I would just close the door. And then there was another time when I went into the laundry room again. And the dog was in a, um, uh, what's it called? I don't know what it's called. A transport box. Uh, It's the kind of canal that you put dogs into when you want to carry them. But it was kind of like they just left the dog there in the laundry room. Um, in the basement by itself and just closed the door again it was just weird to me and then another thing that really bothered me with the dog 
I remember on Thanksgiving Day, um, I didn't have, I couldn't spend Thanksgiving with them because their children didn't want me there. They just wanted it to be like family only, which was kind of rude. Um, but anyways, because I'm technically living in their basement. So the fact that they were celebrating Thanksgiving right above my head and I couldn't eat any of the food was just like not okay to me. They didn't even offer to like bring me any food, but they just told me like, oh, like the pastor's wife told me like, oh, I, I would love to invite you. But my, my kids, they just, they just want it to be family only. We, they didn't want any outsiders or whatever. And I'm just like, but I live in your basement. Like, you're making it seem like I'm just someone on the street. Anyways, it was just really annoying. But I remember on Thanksgiving Day, they they actually kept the dog outside. Um, I don't know why they kept the dog outside, but the dog was initially inside the home. And then on Thanksgiving Day, they told the dog to just go outside. And so it was dark and I remember the dog was barking and barking and barking because they left him like outside by himself while everyone was eating. And I remember I like looked out my window because the window leads to the backyard and I could see that the dog was barking and he 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 always, he always had a sweet spot for me. To be honest, like, I didn't really like living with them, but I loved their dog. Their dog was very gentle with me. He never barked at me. He was very sweet. Um, but anyways, I didn't really like the way they treated the dog. And then the other thing that I issued that I had living there was the roommate I was living with. She was from China um, at the time. And there were multiple times where I kind of just felt like there was a disconnect with her like um I'll tell you this one thing I remember I was doing laundry in the laundry room and I put my clothes in and you know obviously like usually you're supposed to set up a timer but because I work from home um there are times where I like I can't immediately like go check the laundry because I'm in a meeting so there was one time where I was doing laundry, but I was also in a meeting, so I had to wait until the meeting was over to get my laundry. And when I go to the laundry room, I see that someone has moved all of my clothes, and this was like a huge load, from the washing machine to the dryer, and the dryer was like on already. And I'm thinking to myself like, wow. Because that was literally, like, a lot of clothes. That wasn't even, like, a small, like, basket. That was, like, a huge load. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, so this person, whoever did it, not only touched my clothes, but they also touched my underwear. They touched my bra, my panties. And I, I just felt so violated because I was, like, probably, like, five to ten minutes late. And this person just couldn't wait for whoever clothes it was to come back and so I asked the pastor's wife like who moved my clothes because I need to tell this person that this is not okay with me and she tells me that it's not her and that it's not anyone 
you know, in her family because no one did laundry. And so I obviously assumed that it was my roommate at the time. And so here I am, like, really frustrated and angry, but I have to, like, calm down because, you know, I want to have, like, this face-to-face conversation with her without being so, like, fired up. And so basically, I knock on my roommate's door and I tell her, like, hey, like, I noticed that you, like, moved, like, my clothes from the washing to the dryer without my permission. And, you know, I just told her, like, that made me feel violated. I was really uncomfortable. And instead of apologizing for doing what she did, do you know what she did? She actually, like, justified it. She she told me, well, I I thought it was um, the pastor's wife's clothes. I thought, I thought it was hers. And I told her, like, even if it was hers, you shouldn't be moving other people's clothes without their permission. Like, it's violating. And then she said nothing. And then when I told her I didn't like that, she was like, okay. And I just thought to myself, like, you're not even sorry for violating someone else's boundaries like I just oh my gosh that and still to this day like when people whenever I do laundry when people just move my clothes without my permission I just I get so fired up it's just like so frustrating but I think it's even more frustrating when I don't know who did it because I don't know how to communicate to that person like can you please not do that again because if it's like a random laundromat or around the building, like, I have no idea who did it. But because I was in a really small house, I had an idea of who it could have been or who could have done it. But, um, anyways, moving forward, um, that roommate ended up moving out. So I ended up having the whole basement to myself, which I thought would be... A plus but it actually wasn't because even though my roommate left I was still living with a toxic landlord and his toxic wife so it wasn't really like yay I have the whole basement to myself like I like I still had to deal with them um and I think they did mm, my narcissistic landlord he did try to find a new roommate for me and um There was this one girl who was interested in it um, from um, a university in Boston and she told them that she wanted to talk to me and I remember like I emailed her and um, we actually set up a time to Zoom and um, I met her on Zoom and um, I remember I asked her like what did she think about you know, the, you know, the narcissistic landlord and his wife. And do you know what she told me? She told me, I thought they were very weird. And I thought to myself, and I actually said this, I was like, you know what? I thought they were very weird too. And that's when I realized like, oh my gosh, like these thoughts that I'm having, like these thoughts of like, this person's weird. It's, it's not just me. Like she also had those thoughts. So that's when I realized it had everything to do with their energy and it had nothing to do with me. And so looking back, um, 
I remember when I told her that, she was like, oh my goodness. Then that's when it kind of clicked for her and she told me like, you know what, I'm not going to actually live here. So we don't need to talk about the room anymore. But then she also told me, I would suggest that you leave as soon as possible. Um, And I remember thinking like, can I leave? And she told me like, you're not stuck there. Like you can leave. And I remember looking back, like, she was really, like, a sign from above telling me, like, this isn't the right place to live. Like, you have to leave. And I remember thinking to myself, like, at the time, like, well, if I leave, where am I going to live? And at the time, it didn't really, like, click to me that I could have, like, because I still had a job. I could have, like, moved anywhere. I could have, like, found another room I could have, like, gotten my own apartment, but that just didn't click to me. All I thought was, like, well, I don't want to move again. I'm tired of moving. I have so much stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I was already so comfortable. But anyways, um, basically, moving forward, um, I wish I would have listened to that girl um, because... If I would have known what was about to happen after meeting with her, I probably would have left as soon as she told me. So basically, there was this one day when I was in my room by myself and I was just doing some work and I heard a knock on my door. But at the time, I was listening to really loud music. So I turned down the music and I said, hello. And I got no response. And so I thought to myself, like, who is that? And why is no one talking? And so I said, hello, again. And there was no response. And so I'm thinking, like, is it the pastor? Is it his wife? Is it his children? Like, I'm not sure. Why is no one, why is no one talking? So I opened the door. And you wouldn't believe who was behind that door. My narcissistic mother. Yep. Somehow she found my address and she was standing at my bedroom door. Unbelievable. I remember when I saw her, I just closed the door like immediately and I just locked it because the door was actually unlocked. So she could have easily just opened it. But um, thank God she didn't. But I just closed the door and locked it. And now looking back, I can totally see how living in that home was the worst decision I ever made for my well-being. Um, I was so angry. I texted them, telling them, like, please ask her to leave. Um, I did not know she was coming. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Please don't give her my information. Blah, 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 blah. And mind you, I didn't get an immediate response from them because I texted them because at the time I couldn't even like my body was like shaking I couldn't even call anyone because it just was it was just too much for me can you imagine someone just someone you haven't seen in a long time just showing up at your bedroom door that's so traumatizing and scary and every time I tell the story to like people I know they're just like this is so scary like because it was and I had to like um 
console my inner child because like she was like shaking um and at the time I remember I remember when they responded they were like oh my goodness like we we didn't give we didn't give her anything blah 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 and um I remember the landlord actually like came and knocked on my bedroom door and he was like oh like um it wasn't my fault um my wife was the one who let her in so basically they knew that i was traumatized and his response was to blame it on his wife can you imagine i mean like what it was just awful i didn't really say anything i just wanted to be left alone um and i just i just needed peace because the space that i thought was safe was not and i just felt very violated to say the most and you know moving forward like i actually did like i actually didn't really know what to do at that point because i knew that it would have been right to leave and at the same time i didn't love myself enough to leave and this is where i felt like i was lacking in self-love the most because these people, they literally traumatized me. And even though they traumatized me, I still wanted to stay so that I wouldn't be on the street alone. And what I've come to realize now looking back is that self-love is not even just loving yourself, but it's loving the self by itself. You know, it's like loving being by yourself. And it's also just the love of saying, I care about myself so much that I'm not going to put myself in an environment where I'm being triggered or violated. So basically, um, when I did finally talk to them about what happened, they basically told me that uh, my mother just told them that she was my mother and that they let her in. And I just thought that was weird because any person with any kind of common sense would have told me, hey, your mother is here. Um, can I let her in? Or, hey, your mother is here. Can you please come outside and get her? Or, hey, I'm bringing your mother um, to your room. Is that okay? There was no text message from her. There was no call. And to me, I just thought that was very strange because it was almost like, she didn't, she knew something. She must have known something because that didn't make sense to me. Like, why wouldn't you tell me that she was here? And even if she was coming for me, why wouldn't you, why would you surprise me? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. And, you know, I just, even when I talk about it today, like people were telling me like, that doesn't make sense. I would have told you that she was here. Um... And I just, these people just didn't have any boundaries. They didn't care about my privacy. They didn't care about anything. So, says a lot about them. Um, I also remember, um, you know, after talking to them, I decided to stay because I didn't know where else I was going to live. But looking back, I really wish I would have left after that, but I didn't. And during the next few months... Um, things were getting really hard at work. Um, I know I probably talked about this in my Narcissist in Corporate America uh, episode, but basically 
um, my manager was really giving me a hard time. And so I decided to take a vacation to LA for a week just to get my mind off everything. And um, when I flew out, I didn't tell them I was leaving because I didn't really feel like I needed to because, you know, my door is closed and they're always, you know, upstairs. But I remember when I was in LA, I think I got a text message from um, his wife saying like, oh, did you like travel? Like something like that. And I kept thinking to myself, like, how would you know if I traveled? Like, I just like to mean that, like, how would she have known that? Because, you know, I closed the door to my room. But at the same time, it's also kind of like, do you guys have cameras down there that like, like, I just felt like to me, like, how would she have known that I was gone? Or speculated. I mean, yes, like she could have came down to the basement and just opened the freezer, but at the same time, like she does that and that takes like what, 10 minutes? I don't know. I just thought that was weird, but I basically told her that yes, I was traveling. And um, after I got back from traveling, um, I got the most passive aggressive email from this landlord. And I still remember it to this day. It was so passive aggressive and condescending. A part of me wishes I would have written back and told them like, I don't like the way you're speaking to me in this email. It's very condescending and I don't appreciate you making me feel this way. Something like that. I wish I would have written back, but I think I just was very passive in my response to their email. And I was just like, oh yeah, whatever. But basically in the email, he was telling me that like, um, that he, that while I was gone, they like, they like saw that the floor was dirty or something like that. And basically that he told me that I should take a broom and mop it or something like that. And I was just like, what? And I was just thinking to myself, like, this is very rude. Like you're telling me I should take a broom or, or I think it was like a mop and just clean the floor because it was dirty. Mind you, their basement floors, they accumulate dust so much because, you know, it's the basement. But at the same time, you know, it's a shared space. Like, I, like I wasn't the only one contributing to the mess. But basically, they told me there was a, like a big, like, spot there and obviously, like, the only way you could have, like, actually, like, seen it, seen it is if you opened the door to my room. And a part of me was speculating if they actually went in my room while I was gone because the door was unlocked. And I just feel like they must have gone in there or speculated or opened it a little bit because, I don't know, these people, they just lacked boundaries. So if they have a sense that you're gone, I wouldn't have been surprised if they opened the door and saw one in my room. Because a lot of people were speculating that in this Facebook group I was in. And when I shared actually this email to everyone in the Facebook group I was in at the time, they were like, this 
this email is so condescending and people were just making fun of like the fact that there was a bible verse at the end of it and it's just oh my gosh I I can't believe I allowed so much mistreatment from them and I stayed for way too long way too long than I realized and it was because my boundaries were very weak at the time and they weren't as strong as they were as they are now essentially so now I can spot these boundary pushers very quickly um and I just really just get away from them and I just block them because I don't have time for that but essentially um yeah I um also um there was another thing about this pastor that um was also another red flag I guess so I remember I actually looked up the church where he was a pastor and I went through um some of the reviews and one of the reviews was from um a person of color I'm assuming a black person of color he basically said that the pastor said in a sermon that um white lives matter more than black lives and he actually said this in the sermon and I remember reading the review and he called the pastor a racist and now looking back after living with them I'm just like oh they are definitely closet racist. I mean, they're not going to tell me the N-word to my face, but I'm pretty sure when they were talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, all that stuff, they would just say the most racist crap. Because even though I was in their basement, I could hear everything that they were talking about whenever they were outside. So essentially, um, if I was... Um, in my room, sometimes I would hear their kids talk about the fact that I remember they were just talking about the fact that um, living in Boston, like they live near um, uh, a project. What did, what's it called? Um, the projects. So they live on a hill, right? And the projects are like right below the hill. And basically they were talking about the fact that, oh, like someone said like, oh, but you kind of live near minorities since like you're by the projects and something like that. They just made like a comment about like living near minorities because there was a um, a housing development building um, down the hill. It was just really awkward to hear. But um, essentially, um, because I um, lost my job, um, Everything kind of went downhill from there. And I felt like when I lost my job, I was literally at my breaking point with this family. They were so dysfunctional. And I remember just thinking to myself how hypocritical they were. You know, living in the basement room, on Sundays I would hear them, you know, do their praise and worship right above me. I would hear them praying and whatnot, and I just thought to myself, how hypocritical. And I just remember one day, because I lost my job and because of all the stress, I took my Bible and I ripped it. And I ripped it in so many pieces. I was I was so upset. I ripped it multiple times, and I just ripped it again and again and again and again. And I just said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You know, I remember telling myself, I can't do this. I can't 
I can't deal with these narcissistic pastors. I can't do it. I can't do it, especially if they're a landlord. I, I can't do it. I can't. It was just awful. I was crying and it was just awful. And I just thought to myself, you know, if I lose this, if I lost this job, then I might as well just, you know, leave this place because I can't even afford to live here anymore. So I told them over email um, that this would be my last month. And I remember the day when I left, I just packed up all my things. I had help from other friends and I ghosted them. I remember the his wife would like she would reach out to me and text me multiple times. This is how you know she's a narcissist. Like, why are you texting me multiple times? Like, just because you text me multiple times, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to respond to you. Um, and I just remember I just ghosted her. Like, I just didn't want anything to do with them. And I feel like now that I've kind of like come to like, you know, a space of like acceptance um, after going through that whole story. There are a ton of lessons to be learned um, after living with them. One lesson that I learned the most is that when something good is coming your way, when you're in a good environment, when you're surrounded by good people, you will get confirmation from the inside and not the outside. And this is something that I had to learn on my own because as someone who was raised to not listen to my intuition, um... My intuition was what actually pushed me to actually leave my family of origin. So now looking back, I told myself if I'm ever supposed to live with a family again, or if that ever happens again, I need to make sure that when I'm with them, I get confirmation from the inside that everything is okay and safe while I'm living with this family um, instead of relying on outside signs. And then another lesson I learned from living with them was to really just value my privacy. And when I mean value my privacy, I mean in the sense of like, you know, not saying yes to living arrangements where, you know, if someone's offering me an apartment, then they should be offering me an apartment to myself. Like I shouldn't have to like have to deal with you guys coming into my apartment multiple times a day um, blah, 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 and all that stuff, or coming into my room without my permission, um, yeah, I shouldn't have to deal with that, and another lesson I learned was to always have a written contract or a lease, oh my goodness, this is so important because imagine if I would have paid this landlord a security deposit, he could have held that security deposit over me because I didn't have a lease, and um, in addition to that, one of the lessons I also learned um, was just the um, value of just living by yourself. I think after living in such a chaotic environment, I really just wanted to be at peace. So I got an apartment um, by myself for a whole year um, while I was in Boston. And um, that really helped me heal in the sense of like I was in control of who could come into my space and I was also in control of what I could do in my space and I didn't have to worry about people coming in and out because I was the only person living there um and that really helped me feel in control again another lesson I also learned was to always take um people's reviews very seriously 
even if it's just one negative review, sometimes it's just that one negative review that you need to take seriously because anyone can say positive things, but to really give feedback and like actually like critical feedback, that's like super important. Um, I wish I would have taken that review seriously from their previous tenant because looking back, she wasn't really giving them a five-star review. She was giving them like a three-star review and a three-star review is not good. It's mixed. And I feel like if I were to ever live with another family again, uh, I need to know from your previous tenant that you have a four or a five or five star review. Now, I'm not expecting a five because, you know, there's always something, but like at least a four and above, you know, and I need to feel okay knowing that would they actually live there again for a year if they would? Um, I think that's also a good question to ask any previous tenant is would you live there again for a year if you would? But um, anyways, that is my narcissistic landlord horror story. If this episode spoke to you in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to leave me a voice message at anchor.fm slash her spiritual war slash message. I would love to hear from you.